our final interview with the leadership candidates for the UCP. Of course, the winner will be announced a week from today, October the 6th. We will know who has won the leadership contest for the UCP, which means we will know who is the Premier of Alberta because they go hand in hand, right? The new leader that um, UCP members are selecting over the next few days uh, becomes leader of the party and by default also becomes Premier of Alberta, at least until we go to a new election in the spring. Uh, Today, we're going to chat with Travis Taves. Uh, Mr. Taves, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Oh, it's it's my pleasure, Shay. Uh, I'd like to start with a tweet that you put out earlier this week. I'll just uh, quote it. It says, when Albertans get pushed into a corner, we push back. I support my colleague Tyler Shandro's plan to protect the private property of Albertans, and I'll continue to do so as Premier. This, of course, is in response to Shandro announcing that Alberta would not agree uh, to having RCMP work on the federal gun control program. Sounds a lot like the Sovereignty Act. I know it's not exactly like the Sovereignty Act, but it's awful close, refusing to you know, have uh, federal laws enforced in our province, um, which is something you've been adamantly against. So tell me how these two realities can coexist. Yeah, this this move is very different than implementing the Sovereignty Act. I mean, this is this is a question of enforcement priority here in the province of Alberta. Uh, we've got an agreement, of course, with the federal government around uh, policing services and uh, crime is an issue uh, right across the province and we need to focus our enforcement uh, where it matters uh, where it matters to reduce crime we you know obviously i'm I'm very opposed to um, much of federal gun legislation i believe it does uh, infringe on personal property rights of law-abiding albertans but this what mr shandro did really is is simply exercise our right uh, to direct enforcement to provincial priorities and away from those issues that will simply be a, a distraction and and will not uh, result in, in less crime. So, it, and I guess the distinction there is the Sovereignty Act, as it's known, um, would direct police not to actually enforce federal laws. At this point, this is just a request. Is that the distinction? Well, exactly. I mean, this is, again, focusing on on priorities. We we pay $750 million uh, to the federal government for policing, and and the province needs to be able to direct enforcement uh, to to priorities. And uh, certainly um, going around and and confiscating uh, firearms uh, from law-abiding Alberta citizens is not a priority for this government. I'm very supportive of that. Alberta fighting with Ottawa is the dominant feature of this campaign. You know that full well. Um, And the most extreme policy so far seems to be the winning strategy, that being the Sovereignty Act. The polls show that Daniel Smith apparently is leading. Um, So are you feeling pressure to move a little closer to something resembling the Sovereignty Act? Do you wish you'd stepped up the fight against Ottawa throughout your campaign more than you have? Well, I'm certainly not a fan of the Sovereignty Act, again, for the, for the reason, I mean, I've been clear on that, for the reasons I've previously stated, to implement the Sovereignty Act uh, with any teeth, uh, to implement it in a way that the originators envisioned, uh, would require Albertans and Alberta businesses to simply disregard federal law, uh, and and that would create an environment of uncertainty and predictability. And it would have an impact on investment in the province. I, I hear that from uh, folks in the investment community. And look, Alberta wins 
uh, when we operate from a place of strength, fiscally, economically, and politically, uh, implementing the Sovereignty Act will simply set us back. And and it's not going to, uh, in terms of making great gains uh, at approving Alberta's position within Confederation, uh, that that's going to simply be over-promising and under-delivering with implementing the Sovereignty Act. I mean, it's been billed as a remedy for building pipelines. It's been billed as a remedy for, you know, saying no to, uh, for instance, travel restrictions required uh, by the federal government related to COVID. Um, The Sovereignty Act, you know, simply won't accomplish, um, you know, those objectives. Uh, Nobody's going to build a a pipeline across Canada just because the Alberta government Mm -hmm. says, you know, the, um, you know, Federal Environmental Assessment Act no longer applies because we state it doesn't apply. it's, It's not going to deliver um, on its promises. It's going to create uncertainty and unpredictability, perhaps even chaos in our business environment, and has potential to unwind uh, much of the gain that we've made, many of the gains we've made over the last three years, again, economically. And I don't want to spend the whole interview talking about this. One more question and we'll move on. You're talking about teeth and over-promising and posturing and things like that. How is that different than what we heard from Tyler Shandro that you co-signed earlier this week? There's no teeth there. Uh, you're asking the government to do something, and if they say no, then maybe you'll have a legal challenge that you can stand on. So, I mean, in terms of teeth and posturing, doesn't that fit exactly what you signed on to this week? Well, well we again, we, we have a policing services agreement uh, with, with the RCMP. Effectively, we pay $750 million. And, yeah. and we have the ability as a province to uh, direct enforcement, at least to some degree, in terms of provincial priorities. We're simply exercising that right. Gotcha. Okay. Um, in the second round of interviews with all of the candidates, I've asked all of them the same question. That's healthcare in crisis. There's a new poll out showing that's the number one, well, it's slightly behind inflation, but the number one feature for all of Canada, not just Alberta. Um, so what's the fix? And I'm not, I'm not talking about audits and restructuring and looking at AHS and re-examining the way we do healthcare in the province. I'm talking about this weekend, because you and I know there's going to be a story this weekend about somebody languishing in an ER waiting room for hours on end or waiting for an ambulance that never arrives. So what do we do now so that this weekend, if somebody needs medical help, it's there for them or, or a doc in Medicine Hat? Yeah, yeah, it, it's we, we do have a really a capacity crisis in healthcare right across the province. I would suggest felt most acutely in, in rural Alberta. And I, look, it's a complex problem, as you pointed out, Shay. It's an issue right across the country. But there's there's some things I would do immediately. I mean, number one, we have thousands of foreign-trained healthcare professionals in this province that can't find a way uh, into the system. I would immediately order a review of the credentialing criterion that are that the criterion that's used by our healthcare credentialing bodies. Right now, uh, we need to ensure that there's a safe and defensible, but an expedited path to onboard those foreign trained healthcare professionals. That's something we can do immediately. That's low hanging fruit. And the other thing we need to do is uh, create more training spaces uh, for those Albertans who want to pursue a career in healthcare. We started that, as I think you know, in Budget 2022, making a major investment back into our post-secondary institutions, purchasing seats in specific occupations, professions, and disciplines where we're short, many of them healthcare. We need to expand that so that we can, again, be training up enough healthcare professionals right here in Alberta. And the other thing we need to do, and you've probably heard me state this, HS uses a highly centralized decision-making structure. That structure, um, based on 
dozens of conversations I've had with frontline healthcare professionals, even frontline managers for AHS, that structure is creating paralysis, it's creating massive inefficiency, it's undermining, uh, you know, good solid healthcare delivery in the province. That's something we need to take a look at immediately. Uh, we need to look at decentralizing much of the decision making to, again, give our frontline healthcare professionals more latitude in delivering better service. Um- as I said, we're a week away from this being over and the new leader being announced. We've seen some internal polling from some of the candidates. I don't remember if you've released any of that. How do you feel about things, how the campaign's gone, and, and what your chances are now in these final days? Yeah, we, we really we feel very optimistic. Uh, we feel there's been real momentum building in my campaign. Uh, probably since early September, we certainly, you know, our internal numbers show the, show, uh, the strength and the, the momentum, and anecdotally, as I visit with Albertans, certainly feedback from our volunteers right across the province would support that. It's pretty clear it's a two-horse race between Danielle and myself, uh, based on everything we can see. Uh, we're pushing hard. I, again, I believe the province right now, our party, our movement, needs uh, a leadership uh, leadership that can, that can uh, ultimately bring strong, principled, and proven leadership to the province. And that's what I'm, I'm confident I can offer. And it seems like more and more conservative members are, um, you know, w- would align with that thinking. Um, last one here. Should you not become leader next Thursday, what's the plan? Do you remain committed to unity? That's what this entire exercise has been about. Um, what's the plan? Do you become a team player? Do you support the new leader? And does that mean supporting job one, day one, Sovereignty Act? I mean, where's the line in terms of being a team player and going forward as part of the UCP? Well, well, look, unity is critical, and I will continue to support the party and movement uh, and respect members' decision uh, on October 7th, fully committed to to the party and the movement and to unity. And, you know, I'll I'll work, um, as every MLA should, constructively to uh, ensure that the policy we're moving forward with as a government is uh, in the best interests of Albertans. And so I'll, you know, I'll I'll work uh, to, to that end in terms of using all my influence to get there. Uh, Mr. Taves, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Shane. Thank you. That's Travis Taves, who is um, UCP leadership candidate, Emily for Grand Prairie Wapiti. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.